I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's another year, sang Johnny Logan, continuing a tradition of agonizing about time that stretches from Aristotle to Einstein and beyond. There are agreed units of time, hours, weeks, months and years, by which we all live our lives. But there's less consensus about what time is whether it's something fixed in advance, for example, or whether it has a beginning and end. I discuss these issues with Peter Simons, Chair of Moral Philosophy at Trinity College Dublin. I started by asking him about philosophy's role in explaining time and whether it can be separated from the role of science or psychology. You can't separate them completely because there are areas where they overlap, but um, when you talk about time from a physical point of view from the point of view of a physicist or anybody interested in rates or change or uh, the distance in time between one event and another, like an astronaut might want to know how long it will take him to hear from Earth if he's a long way away and so on. There you're looking at a relatively small range of phenomena like the transmission of light waves and radio waves. um, And um, the, the... physics and mathematics of that is very well understood. It's taken a long time to understand it, but we now have a fairly good grasp of that. I mean, there are areas where we're still on the cutting edge, if you like, and we're not quite sure. But those really have to do with um, the physical framework within which events take place. Whereas when we're talking about the sense of different rates of passage of time, we're talking about something much more complicated, which is our way of experiencing not just one thing after another, but that sometimes one thing seems to come after another quicker than at other times. So that involves the whole mind and the brain and our interaction with the world. Now, philosophers try to, as it were, step back from from this and say, well, what's the connection between these things? And they, they do it in different ways. But they also look at questions that perhaps the particular sciences are not so interested in, for instance, whether all parts of time are equally real. One question philosophers grapple with is the future, the status of the future. Is it fixed in, in advance? What's the sort of philosophical approach to that issue? Well, the, the philosophers have different views on this. I mean, take two philosophers and you've got at least two opinions on your hands. There isn't a, there isn't a consensus, let's put it this way. There are philosophers who think that the future is fixed. They are actually, relatively speaking, in the minority. Uh, that, you know, you can't do anything to change it, that things will be as they will be, and you can't do anything about that. A much larger number of philosophers think that there are ways in which the future is not fixed in advance. It might be because there are random events going on, either at a large or at a small scale. There are coincidences which are not predetermined. Or they may think, and lots of people do think, that what is going to happen is partly determined by the decisions that we make when we are able to to make a free choice. So probably the majority of opinion is that the future is not fixed. Now, the the form that that takes varies a lot. Uh, Some philosophers think there really is no future. They don't mean that it's not that things are going to come later. They just think the future is something that doesn't exist. Uh, Others think, 
Well, it doesn't exist yet, but it's going, you know, the things that we're talking about in the future, like the next general election, they will come to pass. It's just we're not there yet. And then there are yet others who think it's, as it were, sitting there in the future, waiting for us to, as it were, shuffle up towards it. It taps into a, a very complex debate, perhaps, around the difference between the tenses, the past, present and future, and whether they're distinct things or whether time is best understood as a continuum or, or flow. Well, um, th there, are, there have been two very different ways of thinking about time, one of which is very closely connected to the way we naturally speak about things in terms of past, present and future. So we say yesterday it was mild, today it's a bit colder and tomorrow it will be freezing. And we're talking about three different days from one point of view, namely today. Um, some philosophers think that this, um, and indeed I think lots of ordinary people as well, and you know, not just strange people like philosophers, think that that means that the past, present and future is a real distinction between three different kinds of, if you like, aspects of time. That the future is something completely different from the past and that's something different from the present. And as I say, that's anchored in the way we think, the way we react, the way we act, and the way we speak. We have languages with tenses and we have adverbs and so on. From a scientific point of view, for the most part, not everyone, but for the most part, scientists will say, no, it's not that one point of time is future and another is past. In itself, they will say, well, look, if you're talking at one point, at one time, then some events will be future and other events will be past. And if you're talking at another time, different events will be future and different events will be past. So what's future and past, according to the scientific view, is relative to when you're thinking, speaking or acting. This is an issue that scientists and, and great scientists like Einstein have grappled with without coming to a satisfactory conclusion. Is it one of the issues, time, that's just going to be a mystery? Is it within our capacity to, to find a neat answer to explain the nature of it? Time is a very elusive thing. St. Augustine said, I'm, I'm fine thinking about it when I don't need to think about it. You know, I understand it because we all do every day. You know, we keep appointments and so on. Um, but when I think about it, I just don't know what it is. And I think that sense probably sooner or later gets to everyone who tries to think about time. One of the problems is that we can't divorce time from things that happen in time. There's not something, if you, if you like, as a kind of background. Newton thought there was, but most people disagree with him, that there's a sort of background flow and then events just sort of plop into that background flow and as a result of that, they're in time. Most people from... Aristotle to the present think that no time is constituted or given by the succession of events taking place at different places one following another according to the standard rules if you like of, of, of the world um, so time is not something that you can as it were detach and abstract from everything else nevertheless it's a dimension of variation that we are very adept at acting in and speaking about so we can manage it the question is what is it that we're managing? And I think that's where people get into difficulty because they try and imagine it's some kind of substance or some kind of material, and it isn't like that at all. And then along comes Einstein at the end of the, uh, well, the beginning of the 20th century on the back of work by people like Michelson and uh, Lorentz and uh, Fitzgerald and says, look, the way to understand this is to say if you're travelling very fast, time isn't the same as when you're you know, travelling very fast, let's say, with respect to us now. 
time isn't going by at the same rate as it is for us here or for somebody in that spaceship there. So that's that's what really, if you like, bent people's minds at the beginning of the 20th century was the idea that not just psychologically but physically time might be passing and be measurable at different rates. So if you, for instance, send a clock off in a spaceship or you whirl it round very fast and compare it with another very accurate clock which has been kept still, you will notice that the clock that has been travelling very fast has actually registered a, a, a shorter interval. It's, if you like, time has gone slower for it. And that's a real physical effect. That's not something in our minds at all. From that, actually, or from from different thinkers, has there been any advice, if you like, for the ordinary uh, man or woman about how to manage time, how to appreciate time? Um, there's maybe a tip there in, in Einstein's theory on how to momentarily become a little bit younger. Uh, or are there other uh, pieces of advice or, or wisdom? I think if you want to become younger in that way, you should become an astronaut or possibly an airline pilot. You should do a lot of travelling. But it makes very little difference. Uh, it, it, you know, it could add, add up to a fraction of a second in an ordinary lifetime. To actually uh, have that benefit over your twin brother or sister of being and looking five years younger, you'd have to travel in a very fast and expensive spaceship. As to time management, I mean, you know, managing our schedules and so on, I don't think either philosophers or physicists have anything to tell the rest of us. You're probably better going to self-help advice books for that sort of thing. I do want to just pick up on one thing, though, that I think is very important. Uh, most people think that your theoretical or conceptual view on time really has no impact on the way in which you view the world let's say from a practical or from a moral point of view and I, I just want to uh, take issue with that if like I do you think that all moments of time are equally real past present and future if you consider for instance past atrocities and I don't just mean things that happened in the last few years where you can punish the people but let's say uh, the Holocaust or genocides going back much earlier or awful crimes hundreds or even thousands of years in the past or you think of future catastrophes, say earthquakes or flooding or the sea level rising and the uh, awful effects that would have. If you take the view that all moments of time are equally real, you should be morally outraged as much by the things of the past and the future as you are by what's going on now. So future corruption and past corruption are just as bad as present corruption, for example. In following on from that, I mean, has thinking about time or reflecting on time uh, through your work and through, through lecturing here, um, has it changed your, your view of how you manage your own time or how, how you, uh, whether you live more in the moment, for instance? Uh, I wish I could say it had, but actually it's probably made no difference at all. I mean, the way in which I, you know, do things and so on is, is not determined by my sense of what time is. Uh, th there are times when you want your timing to be good. I mean, when you step on or off a train, you don't want to miss it or miss the platform. And there are other activities in, you, in which you want your timing to be very good. If you play football, for example, or if you uh, play music, then obviously it's no good if your sense of time is not the same as everybody else's because you're not going to be singing or playing along with everyone else. And you might take a swipe at a ball and miss it completely. But those are not things that you need to reflect on from a first off point of view they're everyday practical issues peter simmons thank you cool fact 
A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.